Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, and welcome to Wari Desho's Desho the Third, our you know top tier premium prime rib podcast for patrons who are donating five dollars or more to us each month. Uh, it's so good that Doc is throwing up with the gangster signs, and also, I, I'm trying to make a D. There we go. This D3. is the worst. This is the worst a- like ASL I have ever seen. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, we're doing this on a podcast anyway that's supposed to be going out in MP3 regardless, so... Oh, God, I don't even know, like... <laughs> well, that being said, though, Doc is certainly already getting on the thematic level by talking about performance here, because we are indeed covering Showa Genroko Rakko Shinjo, and I managed to get that right, which means I've clearly slept at least just enough to be able to handle that. Uh, but no. yeah, I'm Shaden, and joining me from across the pond is Mr. Tennessee himself, who has, you know, found his place, he's found his home now in this show, finally, is of course the Soul Doxin. Hello fam, uh, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Um, welcome, all friends, uh, hope everybody is doing well, hope everyone is safe, and as healthy as they can be, and... Uh, once again, it's Friday. We're podcasting on a Friday, which is a thing I love. And Shadon has got this bottle of blue liquid. Um, or was that a can? I actually couldn't it was, tell. It was, it was a can. And okay. it is a, this, is, this stream is brought to you by alcohol. <laughs> I know, right? Well, this anime is brought to you by alcohol. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is like, uh, you, I mean, it just, the, you, the cells probably smell like sake. Just like... <laughs> making forming a sedimentary layer beneath the surface of this entire universe of rock i mean sukuroku at this point like you know he's powered by alcohol he just wants to entertain people he's perhaps a bit like you know uncouth and a bit unvarnished uh i'm feeling kind of a a kinship to a you know a lovable jackass but hey so (laughs) listen (laughs) when he was uh you know Walking through the the alley, saying, "What was it? Want a drink? Want a drink? Want a drink?" Well, I put that on Twitter. I was like, "Mutual." I saw that. Tell me, I'm not. I'm not this bad, surely. <laughs> and, and and I was just waiting for the else to comment. No, 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 Shaden, you're not that bad. It's fine. You just happen to be worse. <laughs> I mean, there's the comedy singer for you. It all writes itself, right? But anyway, uh, yep. So we're going to be covering episodes 7 through 9 inclusive of Showa Gemrako Rako Shinjo Season 1. And this is our Desho the Third format, which is basically the same as our second stream format, which is also incrementally getting closer to our regular stream of thought format. And oh my god, how did I say that without taking a breath? Whew. That was pretty good. I, I, you know, I applaud you. You're, it seems like you yourself have the lungs for Rakugo. I think you should oh. start touring the city. No, 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 God, no, like... <laughs> I did. I actually did do a stand-up performance of fiction once, but that's not the same Whoa. as literally leaning down on your knees and uh, like yelling at, like you know, about how like, burglars like steal sieves but leave their sandals behind. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So, did you? Okay, I need to know more about this. Like, were you reading from a manuscript, or were you kind of riffing, or how did it work? Well, this was a couple of years back, and. I'm sure we've discussed this, like, in the early days of our podcast back in 2016, but, like, I can't remember what happened last week, so fuck it. Like, I can't cast any shade on that. Um, hey, Basically, back in back in the day, uh, when I was still creative, I was writing a lot, and what I would also do is I would write uh, short stories. And I eventually found out um, a club I used to go to pre uh, the, the bad times, 
Um, like they had a flyer there one evening for a, a reg- like a reading night where people would bring their own fiction in and read them out to an audience. Okay. Uh, so what I decided to do for a laugh was start writing some short fiction specifically for that night. And mm-hmm. so I ended up going uh, and reading these stories out over the course of a couple of like weeks. Wow. I eventually quit because unfortunately I came to the conclusion that the organizer was full of shit. Well, uh, that's not good. And also because people were like, I asked people to come along to support me and no one ever bothered. So I was like, well, I take the hint. So, yeah. What did the crowd, what did the audience think? Uh, well, one of them was ended up being good enough to get published in uh, Starburst magazine, actually. Um, Hell so yeah. Fucking A, man. Congratulations. That rules. I'd never yeah, heard was, this story. That, that was that was quite something. I got head on stage after that, which was quite nice. That's uh, but excellent. Nothing, but nothing more ever really came with it than that. Um, if I ever get around to it, I may revisit the prospects of just writing that sort of stuff someday. If only because I want to start writing again, as I keep saying on this very podcast. But unfortunately, I just don't have the energy or the motivation for it right now. Dude, uh, it takes so much energy. Writing is one of those things, like, if people haven't done it, I think they just assume, like, oh, if you're a writer, like, words will just flow out of you like water. Ah, you know, uh, my muse, speak to me this, this morning. <laughs> I mean, or, you know, how, how hard could it be to do fiesta? God, it's, like, one of the most draining. Like, in another life, when I was an academic, um... I still work at the academy now, but like in a much less sort of rigorously research focused job. Happy Friday, Catherine. Um, it was, so back then I was doing a lot of writing and uh, it was for my job and it was um, it was brutal and it wasn't even fiction. I mean, it was I mean, it, might, it was writing philosophy paper, so it might as well be fiction. Hey, oh, <laughs> but like. Oh. Are we going to have some sort of like fugue state here of whether that is or is not fiction? <laughs> Put your answer in the chat. Is, is philosophy <laughs> fiction? I don't know. Hello, Blue Sea. Um, Hello, Blue. And I remember like I um, I won an essay contest as a graduate student. And uh, the first thing, for, first of all, I mean. What, what, what you, was the essay called? Was it, was it called, was it really the best of times? Or was it the- <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a philosophy paper. So this was. Um, Oh, uh, what was it? I think so. This was in another life when I was a actually a devout Catholic, and so it was about uh, the philosophy of religion and how uh, every bread you know, and wine bl- for everyone. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, it was a- seriously, like the the idea of religion to me is just it's the greatest all you can eat buffet. Mm, I have more respect yeah. for religion than that normally. I should stress, but come on, <laughs> like dude, dude turns water into wine, and you're telling me I'm not going to treat that like happy hour? Come on. <laughs> Well, so to to try to make this a short thing and not a gigantic tangent on my part, like uh, I had to read my uh, my paper in front of a small audience. And uh, on the drive to the University of Memphis, where I had to read my paper, I pulled over into a gas station and threw up in a garbage can because <laughs> I just get so nervous. Before. Like yeah, I hate I hate like. Once I'm, once you're up there, I feel like once you're in the moment performing your rock ago, once you've started, like then all the pressure's off me because I've done so much prep. Uh, I just kind of can go into autopilot and and read and and talk and everything. But like those few hours before it's going to happen are just so like nightmarish. It's such suffering for me as um, 
someone who has quite a bit of anxiety <laughs> about a lot of things. Like that kind of public <clears throat> speaking is is very difficult. Uh, I, and yeah, <laughs> and, I, I actually didn't find it too bad in my case. I think I was just more in the end annoyed with the people running the event, but. That's uh, that's gossip and bitching that is neither in order nor relevant uh, to the point at hand. Uh, so yeah, that was a thing. Um, okay, so anyway, on to the topic at hand though. We're not here to talk about like you know days of yore and all that shit. Although we are, I suppose, talking about an anime that is about the days of yore. So there we go. Um, anyway, next thing you got we need a, to point uh, out. Do you got a, a thumbs up for your? Uh, I've I've now hit the pop filter again. Um, you got a, a thumbs up for your Sailor Moon tweets in chat. So Damn. keep keep oh, keep them coming, buddy. Oh, oh god! Like the one where I recently said that like Usagi learning speaking, which was like Kazuna AI learning to say fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's I the missed only that one, I but the, I yeah. That's the only way I saw the episode going. I, yeah. I, I could not see it going any other way. Uh, but thank you for that, Blue. Incredible. I appreciate that. Uh, Incredible. I will try and diversify into uh, other things. Uh, I'm not going to also then do the Sailor Moon cooking show either, <laughs> because we all know how that would end up. Right, today I'm going to channel the power of Sailor Mars and her cooking shit. So there we go. Anyway, is there? Uh, is she so, the one who is a bad cook? There always has to be one, right? Well, everyone, one I think, I think all of them character. are bad cooks, save for Ami, Sailor Mercury, definitely Jupiter, because Jupiter is a avowed cook. Uh, Usagi, like every time she cooks, she commits a war crime, so that's a no to her. <laughs> um, Venus, same issue, because she's basically the same problem as I. Uh, I like to think that Uranus and Neptune don't ever cook. They just, like, look at food and it magically turns into, like, you know, hot cuisine. Yeah, none of them look like they've ever eaten a, a full-cooked meal in their lives. <laughs> so tiny. It's because they've uh, all taken the fat-shaming episode to heart. Sorry, uh, we shouldn't talk about that episode. <laughs> bloody hell. All right, so on to the topic at hand, then. Uh, we're yeah. We're going to talk about Rako Shinjo. So this is our uh, Desho the Third format, and this... Oh, yes. No, 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 you, go, you go right ahead. You okay. go right ahead. I was going to jump you, you, to you, you gave me the universal talk. gesture. I got, I got shit to say, and I'm like, oh, God. Like. <laughs> no, no, you go right ahead and lead me into creator talk. Cool. So this particular format, um, if you've ever seen any of our mainline free-to-air streams in the past, we often go through like a quite lengthy plot recap, which includes uh, commentary and riffs with cracking jokes all the way out through that. But... For second stream and Desho the third, this particular set of podcasts we do, uh, we don't do that. We go straight into meaty talking points and we provide context as we go. Meaty. Yes. Meaty and juicy. That's how we like it. I'm not sure we're talking about the same thing here, but anyway. Juicy. Uh, I, I'm going to turn that into a soundboard. Uh, like, oh, yeah. If we, if, we, if we get proper like, Twitch subscriptions going, I'm just going to have it like everyone times, times one subscribes to our Twitch channel. It'll just go, juicy. <laughs> You know that word. You know that word. That rules. Please do that. Yeah. So, Doc's going to go through the creatives firstly. Then we'll talk patron questions, of which we do have one this week. And then after that, uh, we will then move on to our talking points, which, oh boy, do we have do we have things to say about this show, because it continues okay. to impress. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Newsflash. It's a good show. Um, Where, whereas what unfortunately is happening to Sukuroku and Miyakichi continues to depress, which is a different thing um, entirely. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, but we we love to be unhappy uh, on Water Desho. At least I do. So well, you've got chainsaw. Man. I saw that tweet That's before. Like, you were like, yeah, exactly. yeah, I, I knew where you're going with that. I knew where you're going with that. I've I've read I've Listen, read your social media. <laughs> I, I enjoy I enjoy media making me suffer. What can I say? Wow. Um, 
in a certain kind of way. Yeah, um, yeah Frank, there's Frank a certain you know. On that. Let's let's open a... the let's open the floodgates here to have like you know Goku Midnight Eye or something suggested as a future. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, a different. Future. That's a different thing. That's fun. That's not the suffering. Swans that's will, just the hilarious. Will fuck and cause like plague <laughs> to spread across the. I was like, oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's not happening. By the Dude, way, Dude, we gotta watch it. <laughs> we need to watch some more Yoshiaki Kawajiri movies on this this uh, YouTube channel and talk this is about why them. I drink. Do you want to know why I drink, folks? It's not for recreational purposes. This is fucking medicinal. I'm just saying. There's, oh. there's really. Listen. There are some really good Yoshiaki Kawajiri. I really like Vampire Hunter D. Um, most people like Ninja Scroll a lot. I, I Cy- do like Ninja Scroll, I'll be fair. So. Uh, Cyber City Oedo rules. Um, and I haven't seen like Wicked City in forever, so I can't comment on that. But no, there's he does a lot of good shit. Um, but he also did Goku Midnight. <laughs> um which, to be fair, I haven't seen, but that thing has a reputation. I, I've seen, I've um, seen the first episode, and that alone was questionable. Yes. I mean, when your when your evil master plan involves swans fucking, I think that is a. Uh, I, I think at that point, you're like off the deep end. You're you're into some just whack shit here. That sounds like the plot of a trauma movie to me. <laughs> but anyway, like he, I think Daryl Surratt put that movie in his top ten favorite anime of that decade. <laughs> or that well, is it a movie a is it a show then, really <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my god okay so um let's talk about uh creatives for just a moment uh before we get into questions uh and such and if you'd like to send us a question of course you can subscribe over on patreon.com slash what are we that's w-a-r-u-i-d-e-s-h-o-u and uh if you Subscribe to the $5 tier, currently named the Viking Experience tier. Uh, you'd be able to ask us questions about our Desho the Third show, which is currently Rakugo Shinjo. Shinju, I do that all the time. Um, but it will be changing soon. All the things will be changing. And if you're one of the patrons who are part of our Discord, um, and you're catching this either live or uh, later, know that it is soon it will be your time. Soon it will be your time again to vote and help us figure out what we're going to cover. Uh, the Sherlock for... anime. Sherlock <laughs> Another anime. one. We're, we're, we're ending, we're bookending this year. As <laughs> we side with a Sherlock anime, we're going to end with one. Oh, I, man. I, I Was that this year? Holy hell, that feels like yeah. forever ago. Well, uh, to answer your question, Blue C, uh, you've asked, are we going to do season two after we've done season one? I'm going to say up front that I definitely 100% want to do season two, but it's out of my hands to decide that. I can certainly put it in the list uh, for it to be chosen, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it will then be up to our patrons to decide uh, if they want you know, us to cover it immediately or maybe later down the line. So, you know what? Ma- rally your rally your kinsmen, get them onto our Patreon, <laughs> and have them subscribe. Light the and fires say, of yeah. Rohan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh... Look out for my coming in the east. It's just it's just the second season <laughs> coming down over the hill. <laughs> oh uh, but I, I, I guarantee it will happen sooner rather than later because um, I definitely want to follow up. Uh, I want to follow up because of the promise that this is given in terms of like how good this existing show is, but also what it means for the characters who are going to pick up where this leaves off. Uh, at least that's as I understand the format of the second season. So definitely put me down for that at some point. But... I unfortunately don't have final say or veto power in that. I'd love to simply just like get a top hat 
and fill it with paper. Like, you know, like when you're pulling something out of a hat, like, okay, what have we got here? What have we got? Uh, but And it was just all be Rakugo Shinjo season two. Every single piece of paper would say that. <laughs> yes, that would be Although remarkable my, content. my look, someone would substitute that for something wretched like WZ or Handshakers. <laughs> WZ. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Oh, we, we we'd have to have James on for those episodes. But yeah, the, a... the, the, we have to ask James. Like, so James, was this just as bad as sniffing glue, or did you, like you do that afterwards to make yourself feel better? I have a question that really could go either way. Oh, I have no idea how it is. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, totally. Um, two comments now before I talk about creatives because I just have to say this first of all. So right now I'm on the Anime News Network page for Rakugo. And uh, the ads for this page for Fate Grand Order colon oh, Battle in New York 2020. Um, have you seen what uh, Gaius Julius Caesar, the saber of this, whatever you call it, looks like? Because I just want to point out that they look I know, fucking I, stupid. <laughs> I know, I know what Nero looks like. I don't want to guess what Caesar looks like. I just, terrible. I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume a couple of things. Like this is like the bingo card of fake grand order designs. First off, diminutive anime woman. No, you, oh, you, I didn't. You know, I didn't I actually didn't notice something. Um, I feel okay. sort of bad because I'm not so. Um, he Caesar looks like quite a, a large bellied person, and that's not what I was talking about in terms of making fun of their appearance. Um, just they have a really stupid look on their face, so and I hate. So I hate the leafy the a, leafy head crown <laughs> so that's, much. That's surprising to me, not because again the trans pop, but rather because I thought they're going to deal with the Nero route. They're going to turn Caesar into like you know this like. Uwu like you know kawaii anime woman <laughs> no no it's a it's a what appears to be i i don't know if you can I, f- I feel like it's a dangerous game in fate to guess the gender of the servants just by looking so i'll just say it's just it's a large tie-wearing person uh and again i i i didn't see that part <laughs> of their anatomy uh, before I commented on it, it was totally the look on Caesar's face and the stupid leaf crown. Um, although this is probably what I get for making fun of, of things on this well, podcast. Is, it this comes back to bite New me. York, it's obviously not referring to the you know Roman empresses, but more like little Caesars. Yes, <laughs> it's the, the pizza pizza person. Yes, yeah, uh, that's very the good. That makes sense to me. Very good. Uh, the other the other comments I had was. Um, I just happened to be uh, looking at the... So the column next to the episode directors is the voice actors. And, uh, there is a seiyuu called um, Go uh, Shinomiya. And I'm going to read you their credits because there are quite a few voices in this show. And it's like, this is the kind of credits list I love for voice actors. Okay. Okay. Just in this show, Go Shinomiya plays a barber. Or, I'm sorry, just Barber, episode 13. Mm-hmm. Chuji from episode 5. Don't remember who that is. Uh, Futasume from episode 6. An unnamed one, I guess. Goldfish Peddler from episode 2. The cryptically named Guest from episode 12. 
host from episode nine, the host and the guest. Are, are you absolutely sure you're reading out their like you know voice acting credits for this show or their LinkedIn profile and what the previous <laughs> jobs no. have been? It does read like a LinkedIn, like a LinkedIn profile. Master from episode seven. Old man from episode ten. These could all literally be the same fucking person. <laughs> no, and. Probably my favorite. Well, Goldfish Peddler's really good. This is right up there, though. Soba Shop Owner, episode 11. <laughs> they just clearly had this person around. They're like, whatever you want to do. Oh, also, in episode four, they were waiter. So back back to the LinkedIn resume business. Uh, yeah, they, they were just like, Shinomiya-san, uh, you, you got to do another thing. We got we got another character that says like four words. Get, get on the mic. <laughs> Oh, my God. God. Okay, quickly now so we can get into our talk. Uh, We don't have a ton of people to talk about because all of the writers, the screenplay writers we have talked about already, and we talked about um, one of the episode directors before, that's Taro Kubo, who directed number seven, was also the director of two. But uh, the director of episode eight is someone called uh, Fujiaki Asari. And Asari is episode director on... uh, They they look like they're an experienced episode director, first of all. A lot of times, you know, we'll pull up someone's credits who's a director, and it's like, well, they've been a key animator mostly, but most of uh, their credits here are for episode direction, storyboarding, unit direction, that kind of stuff. We've got um, some... uh, Bang Dream, which I think is still going on. We've got some Gatchaman crowds. Shouts of that show. An excellent, uh, weird adaptation of Science Ninja Team Gatchaman. Um, we've got uh, some production advancement for Legend of the Galactic Heroes, the original and still the best ah. one. Naruto, uh, Madoka Magica. We've got... Um, Rakugo, of course, and unit director for six episodes of perennial sports show, Shonen Jump fee type thing. I don't know if it ran in that, but it feels like it could have. I, I literally uh, underdog. That was the actual title you were reading out then. No, no, no. This is Yawamushi Pedal, but Yawapeta is like a, a perennial, much beloved favorite that it feels like one of those kind of shows that like all, most people didn't watch it, but those who did just fell hard for it. And uh, I really liked it as well. Uh, the director of episode nine, uh, Nobukake Kage. <laughs> I can't read. Nobukage Kimura. And um, Kimura looks like, let's see, there's a ton of credits on here for storyboarding and episode direction once again. We got some 080 Rocket, a couple of those episodes. That was another kind of under the radar Really interesting show. Tokyo Magnitude 8, storyboarding and episode direction there. We've talked about that before. This person uh, directed episodes 1, 2, and 11 uh, of Suritama. Ooh, very nice, Mm -hmm. very nice. And did the storyboards of episode 1, 5, 7, 10, and 11 of the same, of Suritama. Uh, To mention another show by that same director, um... Of, of Gatchaman crowds. Why well, I can't remember. Nakamura, I believe. Uh, and, uh, oh, and uh, this person who we're talking about now, Kimura, 
uh, also did the second season of Gotcha Man Crowds, did some episode directing and storyboarding. Storyboarded seven episodes. So doing gotcha a lot of work here. Uh, we got uh, directed five episodes of Deno Coil, which is a show that I have yet to see, but I keep hearing really good things about it. That is sort of this like almost Ghibli-esque feel to it, but it's a science fiction story uh, about the internet and such like. And one more show I'm going to mention. I'm not going to mention C hyphen control hyphen the money and soul of possibility because I really don't like that show. Because you also struggle to say every single time, and I would too. (laughs) I can't remember if it's colons or hyphens or, but um, and I'm even reading it from the page. If I ever type like C dash whatever it was into my like (laughs) command prompt, it would just cause my PC to blue screen. Such a good idea, but like, man, that show just did not do it for me at the time. Maybe I'll revisit it one day. Uh, one, the one, uh, the one time that uh, Nakamura, who we talked about with Gatchaman, Sodytama, uh, Welcome to Arabu's Office Trapeze, that guy sort of blotted his copybook was with uh, C Control. But the the show I actually did want to mention that this person storyboarded an episode directing a ton of, and I'm just gonna gonna go hard to bat for the show because I don't think I've ever talked about the show on Watery Death Show before. Casher and Sins. Um, Ooh, I know of it, but I haven't seen it. Oh, man. I love that show. And, you know, may, I think in the main, I love it for, and the thing I remember it is the designs, the mood, and the aesthetic. Now, that's not to say that, like, the story is particularly bad, because uh, I remember it being quite good, but I remember it not... It's not like, um, you know, anything like this incredibly nuanced and subtle character drama like we're talking about here. Um, it's pretty straightforward, you know, because it's this reimagining of an old Tatsunoku, like, superhero property. Uh, but it's like the dark, gritty reboot version. Uh, but it's has character designs by the guy who um, directed a bunch of the My Hero Academia anime and did the character designs for... Um, Heart Catch Precure, uh, Umakoshi, uh, Yoshiko Umakoshi, who is um, much beloved and for a good reason. So listen, uh, if anything I said seems interesting or you watch a trailer of Castro and Sins and you're like, this looks pretty sweet, uh, definitely worth seeing. I, I really, really like that show a lot. Nice, um, nice. But that's it. Those are our creatives for, for this time out. So now we can get uh, down to business on the Rakugo. Cool. Well, on that note, then let's get to Patreon questions. We just have the one. Uh, this one comes from Gogo Atomic Robot and goes something like this. Why do you think the episodes are untitled? As in, when you look at them on Crunchyroll, it says untitled. Yeah, is that, a, is that a Crunchyroll thing or is that... Do, do we know for sure? Well, did the thing did is someone that, like, just mess the, up the metadata? <laughs> when the episode... Um, this, my answer to this would be when you see like the episode numbers appear actually in the show... There are Japanese symbols there. Uh, I don't know if it's kanji. Like, this is a, the limits of my knowledge. So I don't think all of them are literally the same. I think it's just that li- Crunchyroll are... How do I put this politely? Uh, bone Idol. There we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to bet that they're not all... Um, they're not all literally untitled. I reckon that there is a thing symbol. Well, whoever got yeah. the job between those are... Yeah. Although, okay, okay, you know what? Let's not be so flippant. Let's not be so facetious. Oh! Let's end- oh? I, okay. Wikipedia, coming through in the clutch. 
Um, <laughs> Didn't do that for me in university. The, <laughs> uh, well, look, it helps us out when we need it least. And it's least important. Um, the episode oh, titles... This is, this is a pub question, isn't it? It's pub quiz this shit. <laughs> the episode titles are... They're just um, episode one, episode two, episode three etc ah so maybe they just didn't want to like maybe there's something in like the back end of their database that they were like if we do this and call episode one episode one it's gonna fuck up like the way our tables talk to each other or something that makes me sad though because there was a perfect opportunity for them to do either a riff on the friends naming convention for episodes or the it's always sunny in philadelphia naming convention (laughs) Uh, remind me because i never i haven't watched either of those shows (laughs) The, wait, you actually miss Friends entirely? Like, I, I mean, sometimes it was on at people's houses or whatever. But no, I never sat down to this. Never well, like, the, yeah, the, baby, the, I'm the watching episode, Friends. <laughs> the episode naming convention was Friends when something like the one where X Y mm-hmm. Z. That's where that's always, from. Yep. Oh. And, and the okay. always sunny in Philadelphia one goes the gang something something something. Wow. Okay. So I thought this was just a clever YouTuber that has. <laughs> Come up with the one who blah, like for an episode title. Okay. Um, the gang goes and visits well. the Tennessee bar. There you go. I'm quite impressed I pulled off, actually. That's good. Uh, I need to watch so, more Sunny in Philadelphia, but. So there's some amazing episodes, amazingly funny ones. But anyway, it also somehow inexplicably features Danny DeVito coming out of a chair while <laughs> soaked in oil and butt naked, so. It's not, on, uh, it's not on Netflix Which, anymore. I, I will say, by the way, I'm going to bring this back to Rakko Shinjo. I would totally believe if someone said, like, oh, yeah, in one of the side materials, Sukuroku similarly burst out of a chair or a sofa while drained in oil and butt naked and pissed out of his face. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd buy that. Absolutely. That's, absolutely. No, no that's doubt. Into, that's in Switzerland. Well, I suppose that clears up there. It's just basically that I was kind of half right and half right. So I'm all right. There we go. I just happened to be right. I just my both my guesses. We would be like, "There's a symbol there," and oh yeah, they just could be bothered. So it turns out I was right on both counts. Yay! Whoop whoop! Love it. Uh, so that's the only patron question we actually have uh, for this week. But if you want to get uh, you know in on the action, ask us questions as we're covering shows of uh, all stripes. Uh, get yourself as patreon.com forward slash Rory Desho. Sign yourself up for the two, three, four, or five dollars. Sorry, two, three, or five dollar tier, and you'll be able to ask questions of the show that the tier covers. Get yourself on the five dollar and ask all of them, all the questions, all day. We yeah. have to answer as well, like substantively. We oh, can't yeah. blow off your question, no matter how yeah. ridiculous it may be. Yeah, that's right. If you if you literally want to go like you know um, a few angry men on me or whatever it is, then by all means, you know, go go all in. Right. So talking points. Then, who boy, do we have things to say? Uh, I'm going to start with a very small thing, which is um, mm-hmm. firstly, let's talk about the Tennessee bar, please. The, ten- the Tennessee bar, like, that made me chuckle because I loved how blatant it was. It was just literally, Tennessee! It's not like, you know, it's not anything fancy named or anything like just No, this is it, but... Here's just a four. Is- there's a foreign word. This is probably how Japanese people feel like when they see, like, kanji just thrown up, you know, over here on someone's shirt, arm, or, you know, sandwich board or whatever. Everything I wrote, really, <laughs> just- basically. But uh, it just made me very sad, unfortunately, that we weren't watching a more modern version of this, where it turns out the Tennessee bar like has a mascot that's shaped like a giant Jack Daniels bottle. 
yeah, I mean, I mean, like you've seen uh, Cheetan, the mascot who like constantly gets gravely injured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just imagine, just imagine that, but it's a Jack Daniels bottle instead. That'll rule. <laughs> yeah, it's just just one around. Um, but anyway, I'm bringing this up partly because I found it amusing and thought of Doc when it came up. Although off cast, Doc mentioned Tennessee, just like in a DM to me, completely appropriate enough, and I was like, uh? "What does this mean?" Uh-huh. What does and it turned out what he meant was, uh, he meant the Tennessee bar. So there you go. Doc's now found his spiritual anime home at long last. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah, my friend. You are complete. I would want to hang out there for sure. I mean, uh, they got bitching uh, like jazz. It's such on. a cool jazz bar. I mean, mm-hmm. it's what's it's it was like a fifties kind of deal going on, or is it? Do we know what year it is? Like, is this bar a throwback bar at this point, or is this bar well, well like contemporary? In, in the block, in these block of episodes, um, Yakimo, Master Yakimo says that it's been eight years that um, um, okay, Kikuyu's been a Futsume, uh, which to me would suggest like I think that that he took that role on after the end of the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can't. This can't be any later than the mid fifties, as far as I understand. Do you say eight years or twelve years? I can't. It, but either years. way, like it's um, it's right In around eight there. years. You've been you've been a fusume, like etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Gotcha. Uh, so yes, um, that like that would suggest to me it's mid fifties. The reason I bring up the Tennessee bar though is um, this is a great way to start this get this block of episodes going as a reminder mm-hmm. that what we learn that this show is actually about um, is the tension between two different things, and that can I and that. It's expressed for different ways, but like in this particular case, it's the tension of the changing times versus the desire to remain immutable, to persist in a, a single form. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, like that's both in terms of like the wider society that's depicted in Rakko Shinja, but also true of the characters. And why I love about the show is it's not strictly uh, how shall I put this like monodimensional or one dimensional in how it does this. Some characters mm. are actively trying to bring about change. Some characters are actively influenced by it without having any say in their own mat, like in in that. And some are influenced to change for the better. Resolves like it covers the broad gamut. Um, and the Tennessee bar in itself, like, is again an ongoing indication of like how times are changing in terms of entertainment, culture, sipping in that kind of thing. You know. So yeah, I thought I'd bring it up as a primer for what I'm discussing in a little bit. But um, I liked its inclusion just simply again as a, as a subtle but welcome reminder that the times they are are changing, you know. We've got the importation of American like culture here, jazz and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like, you know, the outside world is indeed changing with that. But the, the question the show is asking, at least, or rather some of the characters are asking, is that necessarily a good thing? Mm-hmm. Is something being lost yeah. here as it's worn away? You know, right? Because if they're not spending time, like you know, if they're spending time at Tennessee Bar, they're not spending it at like you know a more traditional drinkery that you might find in Japan at that time. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not, you know, like uh, they're dressing up in Western clothes and listening to Western music, and yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's no, no. This is notes, um, by the way, yeah. Note by the way, Kikito and Sukuroku's attire, like yep. the constant refrain of how Sukuroku looks like a bum. Um, there's a half or maybe the quarter truth to that because he obviously like you know doesn't care too much about like his personal appearance to an extent or like his personal hygiene or whatever but on the sec- on the other hand as well like you know what's that standard they're applying to him here like you know who came up with that 
who decided that? Was that always a thing? Is there like, you know, is he literally just universally, like regards to time period, considered a bum? Or is it more the mm. case that, you know, they're just looking down at him because he's not keeping up with the times and changing his fashion to business suit, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, there, there's probably both elements at play. Um, maybe, I but like... smell vision <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Um, like, I think Sukaroku's problem is he, like, wants to color outside the lines and change too much, or at least not my problem with him, but his problem in the eyes of the Rakugo establishment. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, so, yeah, I, I'm so happy you brought this up because this is one of my kind of favorite um, things about this block of episodes is the tension between uh, change and, like, stasis or, um, gosh, to put it a different way, like, becoming and being. Um, sort of purity, kind of retaining an identity, conservation, uh, and progressing or evolving. Um, this is like just pivotal to like the story of human beings since like society has been a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what you know philosophers were arguing about in the ancient times when you had Heraclitus talking about rivers. All has changed, right? You can never go through the same river twice. Uh, and Parmenides, who's like, we're all part of the one, and everything like has like uh, a, a being that is just participating incompletely in the one. And then Plato comes along and tries to do a little bit of both. Um, but yeah, like you go from that to, I don't know, like people in a way are talking about this today when they say things like, um, this new Gundam show doesn't feel like a Gundam show because it doesn't have elements A, B, and C. And it's like, well, it's trying to do something different and be unique. Well, if it does all this too much different, it's not Gundam and I don't want it. Well, do you want something that's the same or do you want something different? And then just fight yeah, about like the identity of what something is. Those, um, those, que- those conversations miss the most important question that should be asked about this, which is, if you approach honestly, of course, is that necessarily a bad thing? This is different. Sometimes it is. Some people think so. It's not. But Some people think when you assumption that because it's different, it's wrong mm-hmm. is uh, inherently like fallacious. It's right. It's not right. I think that. Well, I think the crux of it is like, do you think it's bad because they've put this label on it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, is it? Uh, is is it it's like oh it would have been fine if it were any other show but this is Gundam or this is Evangelion or this is some other franchise Dragon Ball and I've got these expectations this is Final Fantasy damn it and you know what Final Fantasy is all sci-fi and, and like kind of quirky and this trailer looks well, like Game of you, Thrones you, you know what, so I don't you know love it <laughs> you, you know what's funny if you want to bring up Final Fantasy uh, up until seven uh, with possibly some concession made to six it was all fantasy. Like as in fantasy setting, fantasy archetypes, fantasy style, and then seven you get a arguably cyberpunk future kind of right. thing, and that was the thing that I would argue kept Final Fantasy alive and made it into the mega franchise it is today. Although I should stress that's in part of it, and obviously then there was the transition to PlayStation as well. Play the fucking marketing, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But any if anyone wants to say like you know changing from like established. Um, ideas and elements and motifs of a particular franchise is inherently bad. Um, 
well, Final Fantasy would not be anywhere near as popular as beloved as it is now if it didn't change. If it didn't change. I agree. Like, yeah, yeah like, um, and there's and many I, I should, um, I'm sure we can put mm-hmm. out as well. Totally. Fit totally. Uh, I should, I sh- would, for the sake of accuracy, point at Final Fantasy 4 and say you go to the moon in that game. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's, there's some science fiction going on there as well. <laughs> pre, pre, uh, pre six and six, I think you could make a good argument for it's like, techno fantasy because it's like half and half or whatever yeah (laughs) yeah for sure but uh but point taken that the the roots are well we all know that six is complete fantasy because a man just suplexes a train (laughs) so good so good shouts to sabin wherever you are hope you're still suplexing trains phantom trains oh oh, man imagine if you had sabin in the remake and you took him through the train graveyard that would take two minutes (gasps) man this idea has never occurred to me before, but this is brilliant. Yeah, take, um, take saving through the train graveyard, and it's just over in two minutes flat. Oh, hi, Eligor, boss. Boom, dead. <laughs> this needs to be like a mini Speed game. And uh, what is the thing called? Duodecim or whatever. Uh, the Final Fantasy. Thank you. Yes. Decidia. Um Anyway, before I got off track. <laughs> yeah, I think like I love I love this tension. <clears throat> And I really uh, like um, a point that uh, the Yakimo, like the the master, brings home when he's talking to, I think it's Kiku, um, or I can't remember, but he's talking about Tsukeroku. He could be talking to him. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is that uh, we, you and I, Shadon, understand and know that like in Japan, um deference to elders and kind of a sort of conformity harmony um respect for those that have come before respect for uh norms and protocol uh and processes and rank and everything like that is um uh, way more of a thing than it is for our culture so that is already at play but on top of that you know, the master says, when you look at Rakugo, Rakugo itself is this oral tradition passed down from mm. elder to younger. And that's like the essence of it is that the older people pass it to the younger. And the sort of wrapped up in that is a gratefulness on the part of the new generation to the previous one. And so there's it's even more symbolically important for Rakugo as um, an art and as a community of artists, an association that you have this harmony among the generations and this respect for those that are ranked above you. And of course that filters down into the behavior of the younger generation. And the fact that Tsukuroku is just flying in the face of it, it like doubly stinks. And but the thing it is, is, though, re- is it, it, we need to be clear on this contextually that Sukuroku is not doing this simply for a giggle. He's doing no. it because he believes it is absolutely necessary to ensure the art form survival because he recognizes quite presciently that they are on the cusp of a sea change to how they consume entertainment, how yeah. people spend their free time. We're now, like, after the war, the world has opened up to Japan. We're seeing the importation of other culture, the French restaurant, the Tennessee bar. 
you know you can like the very first episode of this block episode seven opens with kiki so's performance being played on the radio mm-hmm. as mentioned a television you know um which i'm actually gonna just pee back off your point here and just make say something which is that we have to consider like this this, this argument about rakugo as a um you know is sukuroku right or is he wrong because that's the debate you can have now for my part i lean towards him being correct but i think that you can't throw the baby out of the bathwater with what the master right. is saying here right but i think that they don't themselves <clears throat> don't necessarily as written the show at least entirely understand some of the reasons you would want to keep this um all this pageantry and all this like passing on and such um because first off make no mistake like sukuroku he does try to step on some toes but at the same time him doing so he's showing his mastery over rakugo anyway like why is he performing all these advanced works mm-hmm. but the thing is he's clearly ready to do so because he can remember them for a star and secondly the audience is still enjoying them they don't suddenly you know like when he starts doing an advanced work go what it's not like if you're a violinist, you know, and you practiced up to a certain level, and then you start playing a piece that's completely beyond your capability. Like the audience goes, "Wait, what the hell? It's all out of tune. It's not right. Something's off." But as presented, the audience are constantly lapping him up. Which, by the way, when I said about duality, this even extends to Yakimo himself because he says to Kikuito, uh, "Don't worry, the audience will. As long as the audience enjoy your rakugo, that's right. fine." But yeah. why can he not apply that same perspective to Sukuroku? Because yeah. Kiko is doing it in the correct way. Indeed. But Indeed. If you bought, but then again, that just seems like an hypocrisy, doesn't it? You know. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> no yeah, doubt. It's an hypo- It's an absolute hypocrisy. Um, but here's the thing, right? Like, I think that this show itself isn't in just by merit of it existing is an argument for an evolutionary approach towards uh, art and tradition. By which I mean. Rakugo is an art, but it is also a tradition. I mean, you can have traditional art, of course, but like they, these things can be discrete from each other. Tradition is not necessarily art, and vice versa. Totally. And so what? Uh, and so what? Sukuroku is arguing in favor of here is he wants to like change the art, take it away from the tradition, to make it uh, into a form that will allow it to survive. But he's also not blind to the fact that he, the original like pageantry, like and all this like. Uh, generational passing on of, of the torch still should be there. He actually notes in a way that almost feels like meta commentary on the show itself that Kikiso fills that role perfectly of being the steward of traditional Rakko while he yeah. takes it more public, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he sees like the whole picture in this regard. I think he understands that like his own limitations and what he's capable of. And he's like a lot of people sort of just focus on their own Rakugo. Uh, you know, but like, yeah, he's really seeing both he and Bon, Kiku Bon, together, saying like, as we go forward, like, you will be like the one that sort of safeguards the purity of the identity of Rakugo, like, as sort of, as media changes and there's this sort of, uh, like, the soul of Rakugo is tested, um, you know, I, I want to be the one that tries to, like, take it to new frontiers. And it's really interesting, that whole thing about um, whenever it's like when he whenever he talks about the audience to anyone who outranks him, it's like his fucking trump card because no one ever has anything to say about it. You know, no. th- that's always what it comes down to. Right. Because they're like, why are you doing this advanced work? Why are you, um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, why are you, you doing this or that? Like, the, 
thing that is bad for Rakugo. And he's just like, hey, the people love my Rakugo. What do you have to say yeah. to that? Nothing. Well, the, 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 that's the thing. Like, you know, if, if it was so deeply entrenched in tradition that it didn't ultimately live or die off the reaction audience, we wouldn't, they wouldn't be performing it to an audience to begin with. Yeah. They clearly find a market for it. There is a demand for it. It's just that demand is dwindling because times and tastes do change. Um, this brings up... But, oh, sorry. Sorry, go on. No, go on. No, yeah, I was going to say... Though this is like, a, and this made me think of kind of another interesting like dichotomy. Um, whether or not it's a real dichotomy is another discussion, but like <clears throat> the sort of uh, the dichotomy between like the point of view of of the fan and the point of view of like the critic, or maybe even a slightly different take on that, like the point of view of someone who has participated in an event and someone who's only watched it, you know, it, it, that's a co- very common thing in sport, right? Like uh, when there's a disagreement between uh, a talking head, you know, someone who has been like a professional broadcaster as their career and someone who is like a jock, an ex-player, you know, if they're being very petty, they'll just be like, yeah, you don't know. You never played the game. Uh, and, in Rakugo, you have all these guys that are so critical of Sukuroku because they're like, you know, Sukuroku is like always leaning on the popular, always like it's the audience. The audience is the main thing. The fact that they love it is all you should care about. Mm-hmm. But the practitioners have so much more like they're like, no, actually, like, you know, I mean, that's important. And we never have anything to say to you when you bring this up. But like really more goes into being a part of this community of artists than you want to, to say. And now whether that is right or wrong is a really interesting discussion because I mean, I think a lot of it is too much like to, I mean, what do they care that he drinks a lot, right? As long as he does his job really, really well. But, but the whole thing about like deference to elders and having certain stories you tell and having this ranking system and all that, um, I mean, in, in a way, I'm very sympathetic to the idea of, like, trying to preserve the purity of the soul of Rakugo, despite understanding that you have to change. I mean, I think, you know, not to take the coward's way out here, but, like, I think that, like, it's important that both perspectives be uh, at the table when you're trying to, like, come to a solution to this, because Sukuroku is obviously, as we know, we from the future— understand that like television and all these other forms of media and entertainment are going to uh crowd out the market uh certainly for rakugo and for the theater in general um and that's like a huge consideration that they have to think about but if they change everything about it i mean it just won't be the same thing like having that connection to like people that have performed Rakugo centuries and centuries and centuries ago is important. And it's an, it's a thing that's appealing about the art, you know, apart from everything else as well. You, you know that, you know, I need to bring, I need to mention, I was going to bring this up and this is the perfect point to do so. Bear in mind that they're both uh, Kikuiso and Sukuroku's um, Shin... Their rank, yeah. The, yeah, their, <laughs> next, their next rank thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that actually is a full-blown ceremony. Like mm. the the when I said about pageantry before, I wasn't throwing that word around like for for laps. The actual pomp and like ceremony is a part of Rakugo's performance 
even though it is not Rakugo in of itself, but people want to see like who the next person is. They talk about it. They talk about yeah. who's going to become the next one, who's inherit the name. There is a drama, a soap opera bill behind this. Right. And that's the thing I think that like you could argue maybe in favor of um of keeping it, you know, in there. Because it's not just about the actual stories now they're performed as well. The tradition that behind it is in itself an appealing fact for an audience I agree. Uh, who consumes it. Mm-hmm. Um so that in itself is an argument to keep that tradition there. But I would be remiss if I didn't also say that that tradition can also be incredibly harmful. Like, it's not just a case of, like, you know, well, it's how you perform Rakugo is how what me- makes people enjoy it. Like, this show wonderfully articulates how it's also about how people's lives are changed for it by it, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Yeah. Because I certainly don't think Sukuroku deserves anything that befalls him in, in this show. Not at all. He has a forward-thinking mm-hmm. agenda that, like, the people who are, like, talking to him, the masters, are just completely inflexible about. And... The thing is, like, by this show's very existence, it tacitly endorses his perspective because there's no way the characters in this show, if they ever existed, would ever want to see Rakugo done in an anime. Mm. Yeah. Like, but by this show's very existence, it agrees with yeah. Sukuroku's perspective by showing how Rakugo can evolve and can be changed into a different format that still preserves and honors its tradition, but at the same time does something new to make it more engaging, like with the stuff with camera angles, presentation, animation, you name it. So... Just by again existing, it literally says he's right, but it's not. He's not wholly right. It's not a binary thing here. Um, and this is where I was going to bring up uh, again my favorite, like you know, Ikahara show, Penguin Drum, because uh, you've got the character of Yori in that, who's an actress in Takazura Theater, and she suffers immensely from all that. Um, mm-hmm. pr- you know, with the restrictions upon her, who she can and can't be with, etc. That's also a thing that happens in this very show, Kikiso and Miyokuchi, because. Yukichi, because they do in in this show, like it's now clear, was they do deeply care about each other. But he so like he has a one track mind of I will pursue my to the end, and unfortunately that was oh, the sacrifices are made. There's so much I want to talk about that. Oh boy, and it sucks. He shouldn't have to choose between one or the other. Why is it what like? There's not even a reason stated in the show for why that's thing. It's just the way the state the stat, the status quo yeah i think and so that's the, bullshit i know i mean all he says about it is like so master tells me i need to do this and settle down and it's probably the idea of her profession you know her him uh dating uh this woman who's a geisha probably looks like the sort of like oh this is like a fling a young person would have but like Scandalous. it's sort of a sort of a rock star thing to do rather than like a sign of stability and yeah like like blucy is saying it's sort of one of these like reputation things and she's bringing up really good points about like the sort of well, that that this practice I, still persists I, if, in if japan so briefly if that is true why is yako himself dabbling with her is he still hypocrisy again? Yeah, I know. Well, exactly, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I feel like once you <laughs> once you get yeah, once you get old enough <laughs> and you're like oh, fucking established no. on the top of the mountain, you no, do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> oh, that's 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 there. Yeah, but so when you're on the rise, names, there's the names of a couple of individuals going around my head right now. I'm like, oh fuck. Mm. It's sad because it's true. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I like I am phenomenally impressed with how sh- this show covers this kind of duality from so many different angles and so many different perspectives, even yeah. in terms of the same character and how mm. like there's just little moments here and there where characters like you know like they make offhand comments like Yakimo and then it's called back later but not explicitly. It's so fucking good. And yeah. I, I was like, the, when it's dawned on me that this was not simply just a character-driven history, historical kind of biopic kind of thing, but was willing to look at this hypocrisy and also then make a, a case mostly for the evolution of an art form, but also the preservation of what it, of its traditional core values. Um, it's not simply again a black and white thing. This is the only way this must be done. Like, no, there there are good and bad points from both that this show gets across, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Could could not agree more. Totally with you. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna let you make your next point. Though. While you're firing that up, I'm gonna quickly go net, get beer. Uh, I'll only be oh, go for it. So go for back it. Back in a second, folks. Oh boy, what's the next point I have? I have quite a few. Um, and I guess the point I will make now that Shadon is away. It's just to talk about a scene I really liked uh, from episode number eight, when uh, after the big board meeting that the master has participated in, the Yakimo man, to elevate his two protégés and get them promoted, he pulls off the the family uh, like lineage book from the altar, spreads it out on the table, and you know it's something that he that that is so kind of. Uh, uncommon for him to do that uh his sort of uh chauffeur servant butler man it's like yo master what are you doing and he's like well this is like the family lineage here and i usually keep this book by the altar but i want to let them know that something good has happened i like to to let them know as in he pulls it out spreads it out puts his hands on the pages lets them like sort of opens this, this door or window um, for, for them to to know what's going on in the physical world, like since they have been gone. And, you know, this is this show, at least up to this point in the way I've read it, is not really like commenting a ton on like spiritual things per se. I, this is just sort of, you know, an aside and part of this guy's life. And it's just something I always like to see in anime, like not just mm-hmm. a spiritual thing, but um, this kind of uh, incarnation of something spiritual, like in a physical object, like a physical, material, tangible thing that has value to persons, uh, that has a sort of spiritual value to people and is important to like, important to them uh like in a way that you know food or water or sex a different way um and but but it's a physical there's a lot of things like that that are important to us that are also intangible but i just love it when like i don't know mainly because i but before i became catholic i was raised a protestant and wow you went more hardcore over time not less <laughs> yeah exactly Wait, what, what do you want all the bling all the catholic bling was that it i told you i like to suffer remember so that's <laughs> well, well and, and yeah. so uh and evangelical christianity is very much about like eschewing 
those physical objects. Like that was a bad thing. We don't need any of that stuff. It's just me and God and I can talk to him or whatever. But like, this is one of the things that appealed to me about Catholicism, right? Was that like, you could have these physical intermediaries, be they people or objects that, um, that had spiritual value that, uh, the, the ritual of using them, the ceremony around them was important aesthetically and internally to your emotional and inner life. And anyway, I just like to see that here with Yakumo having that. I mean, like, you know, empirical, you know, if scientist is going to comb over the scene of the house and be like, nope, no ghosts here. Like, there's no people who are benefiting. You're not letting anyone know anything, Mr. Yakumo, you piece of shit. Why are you lying to everyone? Um, but, like, he's still, I mean, he's he's letting his ancestors know that his protégés, you know, his son uh, for all intents and purposes, he calls Kiku his son in one of these episodes has been promoted. And that's like a really big deal. Um, yeah. and I just, I love that when, yeah, like the, the, um, the heavenly, uh, or spiritual kind of comes down to earth in these little, in these little ways. Um, it's the thing about Japanese culture that I, that I like quite a lot. And so I just really like that scene. I wanted to shout it out. Well, yes. Though, uh, this, this show, uh, like the framing device behind it is that it is a story being told in the past tense to two characters, one of whom is mm-hmm. the daughter of, well, as it turns out, Sukuroku Miyogichi. And I remember figuring out at the end of episodes, like for our last podcast, I was like, oh mm-hmm. no. But <laughs> yeah. As, as, as it turns out, as it happens in the show, makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a ton to say about that. Holy shit. But we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, like like clearly even in its own way the show again is approving of that just by merit of it how it's constructed how it exists which is it is a historical narrative being told out of reverence for someone who has passed but also to benefit the next generation which is kanatsu specifically mm-hmm. and that's also for why i would then restate my previous argument that i think that i don't again want this to happen in the sense that it's literally just interruptions as the story flows but rather there is like a break if you want to call it that like say at the end of episode six where like Okay, I'm done talking for the night, says present day Bon. We'll reconvene tomorrow. Piss off, both of you. And then Kanatsu's just like smoking cigarettes, just like, I'm gonna think all this over. Hmm. What have I learned? Like, it need only be brief. I'm not asking for it to be long. But I just think that having that reminder that they're there and they're as much of an audience as we are is important, especially given what I understand the second season to be about. But that being said, I haven't watched the full show yet, and I know I've watched the second season. So that can all be fixed later. It doesn't invalidate it just because mm-hmm. it hasn't happened yet. Hit me with your next talking point. Okay, let's talk about some of the other great like directional touches in this show because there's some stuff that I really want to know. The first of which is, uh, on the train ride back from their regional tour, which is a massive success for Yakumo and Kihiso, um, note how they discuss um, his future. And they're going through like sunlit fields as they're, driving along, as they're going along on the train. It's all great. Then they go to Sukuroku as the topic of conversation. Tunnel. Darkness outside. Mm-hmm. Tunnel's yep. associated like with a lack of direction. You don't know where you're gonna, when you're going to come out. When do you ultimately get out of the other end of the tunnel? You probably don't know unless you go take the same train all the time. Uh, and then the moment you get out of the tunnel, there's that one comment about uh, Sukuroku from the Master and Core Way. Like, there is a distinct directional choice here to present Kikizo's future as set in stone, it's all golden from here on out. Like, you know, you you, you can't fail. And Sukuroku's is lost in the dark. Like, that's great. I love mm-hmm. it. 
Um, yeah. Next thing is in episode nine specifically, there's a lot of use of negative space. Mm. So if you're watching this on uh, Twitch and you can see my camera feed, imagine if you will something like say that chunk of the screen there, mm-hmm. like completely cut off by black, and you've got two characters talking at the top. Mm-hmm. And I love how this is used both to express in Sukuroku's case where he's talking with Yakimo how he can move no higher because it's a compression vertically. But then it's also later used contrastingly, even though it's the same thing, to show Kikiso how he has ascended and now is up above because the negative space is on the bottom. But also then, like, you know, there's one final moment that where it's Kikiso and Sukuroku having a heart-to-heart where Sukuroku's the one like, no, I was jealous of you. Like, right. you had you were treated like as a regular apprentice rather than a, you know, a lost dog, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like the negative space great I love it it was brief it wasn't over exaggerated but it was there it compressed the characters made things feel more tense but also showed like how there was a, a ceiling placed on one of them but also how one of them ascended like yeah great stuff uh, next up let's talk about Miyokichi's makeup I mentioned this on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, and I thought this was a great little detail her she's walking as a geisha and talks to Hihito mm-hmm. and the conversation turns pretty sour pretty fast He's like, no, I have places to be. Like, you know, and then and she starts crying. Um and when she cries, we get an explicit look of her geisha makeup around her eye, mingling with her tears. And that again is a representation of how professional lives blur with, you know, personal wants and desires and how they can cause us pain. Yeah. Next small detail. Uh, this was really tiny. It was kind of gross, but also I thought, wow, this is this true. Uh, when Sukuroku is giving one of his performances, he's sweating. Like, he's putting his arms... Mm-hmm. He's putting, like, his fucking back into it. But at one point, very quickly, he just kind of licks a sweat bead that comes down the side of his face. <laughs> but the thing is, like, apart from that being gross, like, I think that was meant to, like, represent how he, like, how he feeds on the audience's, like, enthusiasm to propel him forward. His hard work is literally, like, self-sustaining in a sense. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Yeah. Uh, and one final thing I'll mention, and I'll, and this is like, again, me only scratching the surface, I'd probably go back and watch these episodes another five times each and still find things, mm-hmm. is that when uh, Sukuroku and uh, Kikuiso are having their conversation in Tennessee Bar about what happens next, um, I believe that they are a nice degree angle to each other. It's like you've got, for example, Kikiso like looking this way, but Sukuroku's not like looking directly at him. He's mm-hmm. like this, mm-hmm. to show that they are of opposing perspectives. They do that I mean, as as well when um, the president of the Rakugo Association is talking yeah. to Sukuroku and them saying, well, yeah. oh, that, that, I didn't really agree with it because I don't like the way you do stuff and carry yourself. You know, he's talking I to the like wall. your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. piss off, you little shit. And Sukuroku is just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Yeah. You're supposed to say, gonna, hi, sensei. <laughs> I'm going to read your shit. And I'm gonna do the, and then of course he takes up his, uh, he takes up his uh, Rakugo fan at the end. He just goes mic drop. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the the very first Rakugo mic drop, of course, <laughs> from Sukuroku. But yeah, like that's just that's just a scattering of the different things I noted as far as directional touches, Jurassic staging, texturing of scenes goes. Mm-hmm. And keep please do more of it shows in general. Yeah. I mean, there was, it makes a, oh. it makes a kind of sense for this show to do that because of the fact that it is about theatrics. Mm-hmm. So staging things dramatically and theatrically makes a lot of sense. 
But along with just using all the various camera work it does in the Rapio scenes and therefore makes an argument for how that art form can be presented in such a way as to appeal to a whole new audience, mm-hmm. uh, it continues to also do that with the regular scenes as well, which makes them more compelling as a result. Uh, also, final thing that just popped into my head, a lot of sacra blooms in the episode, uh, episode eight, which is all about the changing of the times. Totally, you, right. Sac- the ephemeral. Sacra blooms, yeah. your, go- your go-to for the fleecingness of moments. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'll um, drink this beer and then there'll just be sacra petals blowing in <laughs> from the side. Yep. This, beer, yep. this beer was fleeting. I noticed a few of those things that you mentioned as well, like the sort of environmental storytelling, for lack of a better yeah. word, right? Like um, things happening in the background or or in the scenery to bring home uh, points that are being made by the characters or, or themes or whatever. Like whenever, like I loved it in episode nine, I believe, when uh, Sukuroku and Kiku are having their last big fight, I think, in the apartment. And Kiku shoves him up against the wall after he said, like, you're just, you know, Yakumo's uh, precious little boy. He grabs him by the collar and shoves him into the wall. And they their conversation gets even more heated. And the light overhead is swinging and flickering, sort of like the candle of their friendship is yeah. in danger of blowing out. Like, yeah, so, you're right. Oh, so good. Something, something else. Uh, both Sukuroku and Kigiso, when they start having their more heated discussions with Master Yakimo, the camera or the storyboarding never frames them both in the same shot. Oh, yeah. Literally, no, interesting. Yeah, you like, for it's like if you can see like how me and Doc are framed right now. Imagine like if we were having a conversation, we just simply like frame separately. Um, yeah, there's not a single moment feels wasted. Like as far as direction goes, it's not just it's, mm-hmm. there's no laziness to any of this like storyboarding or direction. It's fantastic, and it's not even um, over exaggerated or overblown though. Like it still fits within the very like restrained aesthetic of the show. I would yeah, argue. totally, totally, uh, totally. It's very matter of fact, but it's still handled very, mm-hmm. very well. And they this use is, the again, one of those shows that I think I would argue that I could say to someone, all right, if I were a teaching media, mm. I would teach this. I would use a class to teach this. Yeah, completely. I mean, just the stuff they do with the trains, like yeah. you know, when they are the, the Yakumo is kind of poo pooing Sukeroku and every everything that he's about. They cut to like this shot of the ca- a static camera on the train tracks, and the train is just barreling toward it. As in, you may not like Sukeroku and his ideas, but both the ideas he's talking about and his style of Rakugo are undeniable. At this point, you can't stop them. History, you know, it's coming. Things are moving forward, whether you like it or not. And I mean, the the train in general, right, is like represents that motif that we're talking about of like um, the, the, the change um, and the, the always moving forward in time. And, um, and there's this, there's also like, yeah, I mean, this amazing shot, toward the end of the show uh, or toward the end of the block of episodes where Sukuroku is like walking in a, a the opposite direction as the train. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in that shot, like the train is less about like the times and more of like, you know, you've missed the train. Now you're off the train of like the Rakugo Association. You're out of Kiku's life. Like that sort of, phase of your life is now going on without you well, you're not a group has always been off the rails anyway so, <laughs> you know. 
Um, but you know, there's that's, there's that's so a, much stuff like that. So I was giving him some mixed signals. <laughs> he, he definitely, he's a complicated fellow, um, and I know we'll talk about that. But yeah, I, I'm glad that you we have this section called "Little Touches We Liked" because th- that stuff rules in this show. <laughs> All right. Okay, I believe Go. so. It's uh, you now, Doc. Oh, I mean, gosh. Um, do we, do we want to go where, into the big talking? Where do I go here? Um, well, I, you know, I'll just say that um, there are a couple of scenes here between, and this will probably lead into what you want to say, I think. There's a couple of scenes between Kiku and Miyokichi that are just incredibly difficult to watch. So hard to watch because he's such a cold motherfucker. Um, it's that is the most. That is, I have to say though, like I agree, but it's so deeply ironic that he is like that. I know in in, in a manner towards her sex work because like people like who use her services are cold to her as well, just inherently in a different way. Right, like. They like it's kind. Of, I can understand like why why she's so hurt by it because he's one of the few people who has not treated her like an object or a piece of meat. Mm-hmm. But even after getting past that point, he's still like one minded. You know? Yeah. But like also, by the way, this I, I in fact I'm, I'm jumping around it because I want to mention there's an amazingly powerful moment where there's the scene between Sugoroku and Miyokichi in episode eight where they basically talk out their problems to each other. Um. Which, by the way, is again a great amount of duality in this because Sukuroku has been expelled because he wants to push things forward. He's the one driving it, whereas Miyokichi's profession has ended without any of her saying it whatsoever. Yeah, they are both wounded by the times uh, that are trying to change or not change, and it almost feels like a kind of yin yang kind of thing. It's fantastic when you think about it like that. Um, but yeah, they're having a conversation, and um, I don't know if this was because Sukuroku was just drunk. I, maybe he was getting a bit too forceful. Maybe he tr- was trying to comfort her however best he could. He pulls her into the embrace right. and she's like, no, get off me. And of course, uh, as per dramatic convention 101, uh, Kiko Iso is there. And yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, first of all, thank God, you know, because, uh, yeah, because Mio is like, what are you doing? And Sukiyoroku is like, I don't know. T- clutches her tightly more, even more tightly and just like oh like don't yeah but um but yeah this is a deep a very all three characters are becoming very tragic now at this point in the story and yeah just seeing seeing like how miyokichi sort of like is is the water that breaks upon the rocks that is kiku right well, i mean like well, he's that's the, that's the- Yes, because the thing that I was going to mention, the specific moment, is that she runs over to him, and I can already see, like, from that scene in her head, what she needs to say. Like, it's not what you think. We're not doing anything. He just pulled me into my arms. I'm serious. I've only got eyes for you. But Kikuiso's response is, Meh. I, Do what I, you want. IDGF. Yeah. IDGF, yeah. I don't give a fuck. Like, why should why I? Why would I care? I, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not angry. I why I would need to be angry. And the thing is, she moves to slap him, and the reason she does that is because she wanted him to be angry. She wanted him to be furious. Mm-hmm. She wanted him to like raise his cane in anger at her or something like that. I, whatever response she wants, she wanted something from him to prove 
to prove that he cared about her that deeply that he would seem so wounded. Yeah. She wants but to be wanted, right? She, yeah. But the the problem is she didn't realize that she's dealing with a professional actor. So the <sighs> her is there. Yeah, 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 yeah. deep down. But yeah. he already had felt himself, you know, I've got to break it off with her anyway. Because he had to make so this fucking what, stupid choice. <laughs> yeah. So he will do what he does best. Yeah. He will act. Yeah. And I felt for her so bad because, like, I, I don't agree with her trying to slap him. But I can understand why she felt pushed that point. She wanted something, anything, a sign that he loved her. And sometimes the way that's happened is to unfortunately hurt them. Like, I don't, again, I don't agree, but I can see how it gets to that point. And he doesn't give it to her. Yeah. I mean, he's it's always awful. been... Yeah, it's, it is. It's terrible. It's so hard to watch. And, like, I mean, he's always been... Not cold, but, like, he's not, he's not the most affectionate guy. But, like, it's clearly on a different level how um, he's just, like, become a wall to her. Um, and it just... It breaks her. And it angers her. It's almost like the Kiku that she knew has been sort of taken from her. And she doesn't understand why, and it's not fair because it's fucking not fair. It's ridiculous, and her well, life is. Into, it's literally in line with his promotion. That's the funny thing. If you think of it like yeah. as, a, mm-hmm. as, as a larval state kind of thing, you like you know you turn from a caterpillar, you know butterfly kind of thing. Going like she doesn't recognize him anymore, kind of sort of in a sense. Yeah, and it, it's it's the thing is like Kiku says to Sukuroku like after she leaves, I do love her. Yep. Like, I genuinely do think that they do love each other. Um, I think that their relationship probably isn't necessarily as traditionally physical as certainly uh, Miyokichi's, like, might be otherwise used to. But, well, that's, like, secondary in my own mind to actually having a genuine emotional connection. Totally. Like, I, I, I can think of the earliest scenes, like, when she's rubbing his, like, you know, wounded knee, like, you mm-hmm. know, basically not not healing that particular wound, but healing the things that came with it. Like showing him sympathy and compassion about how this has burdened him throughout his life. Yeah, and that's probably this is a great point that you bring up, Shadon, because I mean that's another reason probably why she's hurting so bad is like, you know, she 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 did that for him. She was there when he was at his lowest point, and now she's hitting her low point. And yeah. she gets she doesn't get anything from him. I mean, it's like there's this old French proverb, uh, that I don't believe is actually true. No, je ne regrette rien. Uh, <laughs> it's um, is that it? No, I don't think so. Oh. Um, but <laughs> it's uh, in every relationship, there is one who bestows the kisses and one who extends their cheek. Um, and you know, it's what I thought of when I said, like, clearly Miyokichi is the one who is giving and getting nothing back <laughs> or not getting so in the beginning not getting as much back but by this point getting nothing back even though yeah i mean she's she helped this guy get over like these really big emotional crises and and just now when she probably needs him more than any other time like and she's you know been so vulnerable to him revealing like uh you know that she like doesn't really need any money she doesn't have like this sort of lofty goal about uh like a calling or profession here's the thing right she she is a sex worker so inherently she has to access an arm's length with her clients Mm -hmm. 
don't mix don't mix business with pleasure don't like i should stress i i need to again do this kind of card saying thing here like from my perspective which okay. is that um i've like read for example about how there are um women in the adult entertainment industry who are sex workers like porn artists you name it who do have long-term partners mm-hmm. that and for you know what that's great that's fucking brilliant that's wonderful because I can certainly imagine a lot of men, probably myself included, if I'm being so honest, who probably wouldn't be comfortable with that. But the thing is, like, why is this relevant to me, Akichi? Like, she unfortunately probably sits in that position where she has never had, apart mm-hmm. from that one guy who took her out, so, like, and left her for destitute, but that's not a genuine connection. Like, she had it at some point, then that right. took away from her. But, like, she has spent much of her life deliberately experiencing, or rather, experiencing how there is no genuine connection with men. And so she finds it in Kikita. And so no wonder she wants to, like, she wants to cling on to that so desperately. Because it's something she knows with all, like, by simply by the absence of him having never given her any any money in that alone, and also just how he's treated her. Like, he is genuine. And it's awful. Like, I... But that thing, that is, actually leads me on to my next thing I was going to say about Miyokichi, which is this. I feel conflicted about how she's presented in the show for one reason Mm. and one reason alone, which is that we don't see what happens to her in her line of work. We know it's what she does. We are told it, but we are not shown it Mm -hmm. in the same way that Rakugo is shown. Even though I would argue there is a thematic comparison to be made because there is an act of performance in doing sex work, which is to say that obviously, you know, like you are performing a service for... Let's say, you know, it's a man in this case. And it could very well be that you have no physical attraction to this gentleman who's paying you for your service whatsoever. Might even enjoy it. And then how does that play into it? Like, you know, do you feel it's a form of sexual violence? Like, there's a lot to explore and cover here. And it is a form of performance, I would say, in that case. um, That you can't, like, obviously allow yourself to be attached to these people. They are there for a certain amount of time. Um... But the thing is, Miyokichi's like profession is mentioned, and I'm I'm glad it's mentioned the way it is like with how like the dancing prostitution law came in, and that's it. It's over. Like the times change. Like it gels there. That works. But I can't help but feel a tiny little bit here and there that she's getting the short shrift as far as character development goes versus Sukuroku. Oh yeah, Kikuita. Yeah, I think so. Because she's because because her profession is not being given the same um, kind of close examination. It's just something we mention that she does, and we'll just leave it at the side and let you divine from that. As opposed to what we see with um, the Racco, I can, for example, this is me, like you know, again saying, "Hey, I've got an idea," and it doesn't make me right, but I'm going to put it out there. I could totally see how you could storyboard a scene where you could have Kikito performing his Racco. And you could intercut back and forth to Miyokichi performing her sex work. Not without, obviously, whoever she's doing the sex work with, but you can see, like, how she's saying things to this particular guy that she's with, like, you know, that, like, performance, like, you know, that kind of thing, blending, scale, the contrast between it. And then that way, I'd find that that would actually be a little progressive because it would equate what would be presented as a, like, traditional high art form with what some people would view as demeaning work. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, oh yeah, no, I see your point. Um, A couple things I would say in response. One is that geisha are 
contrary to popular belief, not sex workers. Now, uh, okay. they they do mention, now Miyokichi does mention that the place she works is being closed down because of, I think, a prostitution law, right? And so like prostitution law. So I, I don't know if if she's doing sex work or like the facility she works in is like part geisha thing, part brothel. And it's just I'm, now I'm convi- we don't I'm know convinced that she I'm convinced that she is. And I'll tell you why, because when she's laying with Sukuroku, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, she says, like, you know, I tried these things with Kikiso, for example. Right, right. And Sukuroku recognizes that the way that she's treating him is of a similar vein that it is performance. Like, I sure, mentioned. sure. Which I can so totally I'm, get that. Mm hmm. Oh, and she says she's going to go work the old men in the country. So this, I think this inclusively can say, yeah, all right, oh, to be a mistress. And also, she admitted, you know, even if she's not doing it right now, I mean, she's done it like when she was in China, right? When she got abandoned in China, she said that's what she she Manchuria, sold her yeah. body to survive. Um, yeah, but the, I guess the other so regarding her career not being focused on. Um, I, I guess maybe this is a little bit of a rehash from things I've said when talking about BNA, but I'll try to use like a metaphor to make it a little different. I guess like, um, for two people a, love each other for, <laughs> for a TV show, <laughs> um, or any like story or piece of media, it has themes it wants to take a closer look at things it wants to put its magnifying glass on. Now, it can only put so much under the magnifying glass mm, without making yeah. the image blurry. If it tries to make too big of a magnifying glass, it can't get sharp focus on anything. Yeah. And if you have a small magnifying glass, to get to something different you want to focus on, you have to move away from a thing that you were focusing on. So I think the show knows what it's about. And yeah. it's so much if about I... Rakugo in particular. Yeah, if I may respond to that point, like you and I have had disagreements on BNA and how, like, particularly that specific point about how it chooses not to show certain things because it knows what it's about. I'm not going to rehash those disagreements here, but I am going to point out I actually do 100% agree with you here in terms of Rako Shinjo because mm-hmm. there's not a wasted moment in this show. There's nothing I would feel like I would be comfortable cutting out to make way for these scenes. And so I suppose my criticism is more of an acid, like a more of a, you know, like pipe dream kind of thing. Like I would like this to be in here, but I understand that it cannot currently go in in the format that it is in without costing something else. It's not a simple, you know, zero sum game here where everyone stands to win. It doesn't work like that in this case. With BNA, I would absolutely argue there's a t- shit ton of stuff you can cut from that that I'd be more happy to have rid of in favor of something <laughs> yeah. else. But again, that's I'm a not, good, that's I'm not fair. Fashion arguments we're not talking about. BNA, no, we're not. No, that's I, totally fair though for you. Your, yeah. your principle as dark as you put there, I absolutely 100% agree with in this case. It's just, I really wish it did have the room to expand on that because I think it kind of unfortunately harms what the message is meant to be about Miyakichi, which is that she's not meant to be viewed as an object. Mm-hmm. but then we don't get the necessary look at her profession to make it like give it enough nuance mm. to back that up uh, if you follow what i mean like, yeah by 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 like not showing it it kind of diminishes like the whole thing it's like something you know in the background mm-hmm. whereas i think it should be brought to sharp focus well here's an out but, of here's an outer universe uh reason like not tv not to do with the story <laughs> yeah, that's what i was gonna say it's like the show did air on um public television I want to say it aired on NHK, so I think they probably 
had a lot, you know, there there were probably limitations in terms of the sex work. (laughs) (laughs) They just have to to pixelate it. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, no problem. (laughs) Just pixelate it. I keep saying this broadcast is 1080p, but it doesn't look like it. (laughs) Zoom in on the dick. The dick shot is a little blurry. We got to come on. Yep. Focus. There we go. That's it. Oh, yeah. I brought a wide-angle lens specifically for this one gentleman. And it's not wide enough. <laughs> no, we're going, oh, this is getting wrong. This is getting grim now, so we'll leave it there. Um, but yeah, I do absolutely agree with what you say. And it's just, I wish. Like, I wish yeah. that we could see that. But, yeah. No. Them's the breaks. I know. I know. It would be really... If this were like a series of novels, you know... Um, and it were sort of about the wider Japan or Japanese artistic pursuits. Um, I could totally see, like, yeah, give it all the runway it needs, you know. Oh, hello, Gogo. Sorry, Robot. Oh, yes. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, Miyokichi, for example, could say that she is a geisha, but does that make it necessarily true? And the funny thing is, when I say that, that in itself would be interesting to examine because that in itself is a performance. Oh yeah, no, that's a good point. And I mean, she could, you know, she could do both, or you know, or or like again, I'm a this could be in the same way that you know, <laughs> in me, I'm a radio <laughs> presenter, <laughs> right? Like, yes, I'm an actor. There's, there's, yeah. so, there's some overlap, but it's not technically true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also yeah. think like you know, this could like she could she could be that could be 100 percent true. But again, like the law, like whatever law it is that we don't know about, but it is probably really familiar to Japanese uh, historians. That that law that is sort of specifically about prostitution, like geisha establishments, could be collateral damage to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As is often the case with a lot of laws, they have unforeseen consequences. Ah, uh, good old hubris. Right. <laughs> right. Or even, or even, not even necessarily hubris. I mean, I could buy, for example, like how okay, geisha, like in the past, pre the time frame that these episodes are said, were viewed as a prestigious thing. Mm-hmm. As much as I say that it was about the sex element, I should mention that there is also other elements to sex work which aren't strictly about the sex, which is, for example, escorting. Right. You know, you right. go, you go with a client to like a, you know, a place, or even it could just simply be like I like people, for example, will hire sex workers. Not to sleep with them, but just they have someone to fucking talk to. Maybe they've got some. Fa- I don't know. Like we're getting into like strange places with this, but you get my point. It's not strictly just about the fucking. Um. So. Yeah, like I, I would love to have seen more of that, like depicted in the show, just so at least Biokichi could be given a fair shake on her profession and how that then ties back into Rakugo and maybe normalizes it. Uh, uh normalizes the sex work element that is because it makes it clear that that is also a performance in itself and there is a real person behind there not just an object yeah which is what fun of kiki so says yeah yakimo yeah oh by the way fucking yakimo like if you think that he's like god no beyond beyond being a complete dipshit about the rules and all that and being a stickler for like you know i don't know traditional bureaucracy what uh, a fucking baby (laughs) his wife is barely fucking cold He's like, so how's it going with Miyukichi? I'm old now and I love a woman like that. <laughs> when you get to my I'm age. Like, <laughs> yeah, what the what? 
get to my oh, age. Jesus man. fucking Christ. I Again, hypocrisy though, in it. Totally. I mean God. Oh, um, can I also talk very briefly about Miyukichi uh, and how she talks with Sukuroku? Go for like, it. I can I a hundred percent understand how they came together as people who were left adrift. Yeah. One one again because he steps out of line, and the other, well, because suddenly one day, oh, I'm sorry, the laws changed. Bye bye. Go find something else. Here. We're not gonna we're not gonna like you know give you any support like that. You're out on the streets. Tough shit. You know you are obsolete now. But I have to say, like, it's very clear from the way that they both interact uh, in that brief scene that she is treating him like a client, I would argue. Um, she still doesn't have the same interaction with him as uh, as she does Bond, where it feels more intimate. Indeed, note all the interactions she has with him up until that point are uh, ones that discuss, like, get off him! Like, she's dragging him off, like, his knee and all mm-hmm. that. Like, she, she seems disgusted and appalled by him. Yeah. But... When you've got nothing else left, like if you're, why not take what little connection you can get, even if it is under the, like you know I can't ply my trade anymore, so to speak. But there's this guy here who's lost and needs help as well. You know, it 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 really is just like two broken people two together, broken people. And unfortunately, though, like I, I just I'm not condemning her for it, but like she clearly shouldn't be using him in that way but nor in turn should he to her exactly exactly and funnily enough this is now going to lead into the actual consequence of that which is whoops bun in the oven yeah or not whoops not not whoops do you mean that was it planned i mean there's no way sukuroku plans to have a kid well not sukuroku but what about miyokichi i mean i i i don't want to like ascribe uh sort of nefarious motives to her necessarily but like i don't think it's necessarily you know out of the realm of possibility that someone who has just admitted like the one thing i don't want in life is to never be alone like Mm. she's got this guy uh kind of they're slumming together and she believes like he'll stay with her if he feels obligated to raise his kid I don't know. I get like I'm just putting it out there as a possible possible motive. I have actually have no idea. I can't remember if they go into this oh, in the show or it's just if I'm totally off base. There um, is something I should bring up though, which is that um, in the final conversation that Sukuroku and Hikuriso have in the um, end of episode nine, he mentions, of course, that um, Miyokichi is pregnant, mm-hmm. um, and then he says, "I'm leaving," and that's the end of my Rakko thing. So, despite all that he has said about preserving Rakugo for the future, evolving it, shaping it, yeah, there is still a break point even for I know, him. yeah, his dream got crushed when he got fucking, you know, the master booted him out, and now he can't, well, I, can't I, do it anymore. The thing is, though, like, when he was expelled, like, I didn't feel at that point that he was necessarily going to completely give up. I think he oh, yeah. had a pretty hard knock, mm-hmm. but I think that the note that the thought that, like, he has a child on the way, I think that is the thing that's changed. Totally. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Because if he can't practice Rakko, I mean, you said about reputation, all that, and indeed we know there's that really, like, ridiculous-looking, like, tiny uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure character uh, interviewing Kiki Iso, like, about, you know, his performance. He says, what a scandal about your fellow apprentice. Like, you know, that's public news, so no one's going to have him, like, you know, turn up. It's like... Mm -hmm. 
God, it's it's like you know if you're a comedian, you start throwing around like you know really anti-Semitic jokes. Like, of course, no one's going to hire you again. What do you fucking think's going to happen? Yeah, it's just the the weird. Well, I say weird. The different cultural norms, right? Um, over there, and uh, yeah, Gogo believes uh, Miyokichi knew what was up as a uh, someone who is well versed in. Uh, servicing men but keeping babies from happening uh that, that she I, 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 she knew what was up who who knows who knows i i feel if you're max i don't want it to be the case that this show presents her as that kind of manipulative where okay if i get pregnant by him then he's bound to me that because make it a mistake that's unambiguously vile well, that's the that's well. Gee, she did swear to get revenge on Bond, and maybe this is like I sort of it was just her being dramatic. To be honest, I didn't feel like it was going to be unless you're like literally saying like she did that to like try and provoke a response in him in the same way she did with the slap. But I mean, I think it could be part of it. I think she's dead serious. She's not just dramatic. Like, as someone who's seen the rest of the show, <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, oh oh I see the spoiler effects. Is it is here? Is it? Um, well, I, I don't I, that okay. that part was not just hot air like she really had her heart broken by Kiku at to the point where this is a real thing you know and and she, yeah she reached her I, her I just, limit I don't know I don't know like again the thing I don't remember like I, I'm not saying that <laughs> definitely her revenge is shacking up with Bond and taking away uh you mean sukuroku yes sorry shacking up with sukuroku and taking away what was important to kiku My that is you breaking up with me will be to get back together with you wait oh this this plan does not work well <laughs> no yeah well she was she i don't think she wants to get back together with him she just wants him to burn um and yeah to get with his best friend and take him out of rakugo and uh, take hey. take him like this competition that has fueled Kikuhiku his whole life. This friendly rivalry, this relationship. You know, he said to Sukaroku, I could live with you forever and watch your rock go. That's how much he means to him. To take Sukaroku away and to take that competition for the name of Yak- Yakumu out of Kiku's life, what better revenge could there be? That she is that that is that at the well, end of episode nine, I mean, you see how much it fucking hurts Kiku that yeah, Sukeroku is out I just, of the race. <laughs> I I totally get your line of thinking there, but I'm just thinking of the implications from a critical perspective of what it's gonna say. Like, here we have a character who's long been portrayed, uh, you know, she's a sex worker. She's like clearly got like her way with men, and oh look at what's happened in the end. Like, I don't know, it feels a bit sketchy to me well i will just tell you there's tragedy on forthcoming for everyone oh well oh jesus i mean he killed my dad like literally that's what kanatsu says and stuff like we know sukuroku is dead i mean his gravestone i'm fairly confident is in the op Mm -hmm. so i i know i know he's dead um what happened to miyokichi i don't have a clue but all, all I can think to myself is like this is well, this is not going to end well. And all I all I all I want to happen is I don't mind it not ending well. I just don't want it to like be unfair in like you know putting the majority of the blame on one character if at all possible. 
I know oh, it sounds crazy because there are some, I know there are some stories where that's fine. But I mean, right. I just think it would be a bit iffy if, like, you know, here's Miyokichi, the geisha, and her wiles, her wily ways around men have destroyed them. I'm like, oh, we, that's not a message <laughs> I really want. Well, I mean, but she didn't, you know, I mean, I think, you know, she didn't destroy Yakumo. And she didn't. Her thing is like she gets rejected by everyone, is what she said. Like she's she got left behind by the guy in Manchuria. She got uh, uh, left behind by Kiku. Like she loves the cold ones. You know, she. I think she's sort of lying to herself about that. But like, so she 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 loves the forty four ounces straight. Oh, out of the yeah, fridge. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like I I don't think that this character doesn't have a history of like leaving broken lives in her wake if anything like you know she um you know she's sort of feeding her need to not be lonely but also you know people are uh not giving her the thing that she really wants that only becomes clear when kiku breaks her heart uh right yeah genuine love and affection and uh someone who who loves you back and and puts puts everything back into the relationship uh that they get out of it and so i think even if this everything i'm saying were to be true like i don't it, it wouldn't necessarily be like this is the thing that defines her whole life this is like an act at the end when she was driven to this uh by like like you said the changes in the world and uh this horrible horrible thing that happened in in her love life and mm. i mean she's a train barreling off the tracks at this point in the show at the end of episode nine it's oh, just just like trades again yeah just like sukaroku i mean they both are like i can't tell you how like when she came in with that giant bottle and sukaroku's asleep and she's just like i brought more sake baby and they hop into bed together with the bottle i'm like you two are just like on a path to your own destruction like it's clear as day um so i don't know man i'm really curious sort of remembering in broad strokes what happens but not a lot of the details i'm really curious to see how you'll react to it oh boy um well we know what the content of that scene was you know when they were lying on bed and she was all like you know undressing and all that we know what happened next we know i've played fate stay night i i know Uh, (laughs) oh well well i was like the thing i was going to say was you know the dragon just goes marry me and Kiyoichi's like, wait a minute, what? And uh, no, it turns out Sukuroku is talking to the sake ball. <laughs> yeah, right. Marry me, sake ball. Yeah. <laughs> You're the one thing I need. <laughs> and, of course, and of course, he wakes up the following morning, he's still pissed, the bottle's empty. He's like, I've killed my fiance. <laughs> no. Oh, wacky. Why do I hurt the ones I love? Wacky anime hijinks ensue. <laughs> oh, dear. And Miyokichi's just there, like, and you get the little tear icon just come off ahead yeah like, oh my god oh my god he won't he won't he won't be sober for weeks <laughs> um so <laughs> let's see the next the next big point i wanted to make or was it your turn i don't remember uh well i'm actually i think i've said everything i want to say okay. at the moment so over to you chat my man um i don't understand kiku i don't get it um I mean, from an academic point of view, I get it. But it, in terms of being able to really put myself in his shoes and understand why he makes the choice he makes, it's very, very hard for me to identify with his the decision he makes. And, and by that, I mean, like, 
choosing rather than to devote his life to like a person um someone he can see and touch and talk to and mm. grow with like a an intangible ideal like i i just like choosing this like this idea of rakugo and and well, this pursuit of a title and maybe even you, this you, feeling you get when you're on stage over yeah over another person it's very very hard for me to like really get in the head of that and and get that because like that's just never been me hmm. well I'll, I'll say a couple of things about the first of which is um Kikamiso makes the point of like you know we're going to an age now where men will rely on themselves and we will rely on ourselves mm-hmm. and if you want my perspective on the philosophy of self-reliance I absolutely 100% think that people should be self-reliant wherever possible. I'm going to, of course, not say that that's always going to be the case. There are people who simply can't because of various reasons. It could be physical disability, mental, emotional, you name it. But if you are otherwise, like, you know, like, not disabled in some way, like, if you have the capacity to be self-reliant, you should be. That doesn't preclude you from getting assistance, though. That doesn't preclude you from being connected to other people. But I think that, like, in the case of Miyokichi, for example, like, she wanted, in part, I wonder, to be with Bon, mostly because she loved him, but also because he would give her security. She, like, her, all she said she was, like, I don't want to work. I want to just support a man, my partner. That's what I want to do for him. Now, by the way, if you've gone, like, if you're in a relationship of that sort where you might be a housewife, for example, whatever, you don't work as your husband does all the way, or even vice versa, whatever way it goes like whatever way it cuts i'm totally okay with that as long as you have an understanding that it's that's what it is and you're both happy with it um but otherwise i would be an advocate for the kind of position that kikus is putting forward here, which is that people should be self-reliant not that, that of course precludes connection and you know being like you know intimate with each other and i'm not even talking necessarily sexually here you know i'm talking like emotionally um but what I find interesting about that is Sukuroku has got his finger on the pulse of how like the future's changing with how people will react to entertainment and media. But Kikuiso, the the non-person, like the person who's not the person, like the man's man, like you know, he's not a personable individual. He is a hundred percent correct with how there will be a change over time away from the stereotype gender roles that there are, and people will have to become more self-reliant, you know. Not everyone's gonna fall into the nuclear family, even though it's the nineteen fifties at the time, you know what I mean? So his right. prediction is on point there, I would argue, whether you like it or not. Oh, yeah. Um, from from what you're saying, though, like, because this is where you and me come from different cliques, though. Like, you know, I'm perpetual bachelor. You are, you know, happily married. Um, and so I can only offer my own bias perspective, which is that in the absence of certainty of, you know, love and connection, then... I don't see any issue with you devoting yourself to a career path. Um, well, yeah, the but that's though, the that whole bon thing. Yeah. Had, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I was yeah. about to get to, I was about to get to that. That's the thing, though. Bond has to make the choice. And I think that in the end, the reason he does that is because Rakugo is the only thing that has given him a close to certainty. Hmm. Like, other people are, like, unpredictable. 
Like, he's been abandoned a lot of times in his life. <sighs> right. Um, particularly prior to the uh, point where he was apprentice. Mm-hmm. And that has clearly shaped a lot of his worldview and how he interacts with people and left him very guarded. Yeah. So even though he is better than he was, and that's clear, by the way, of his interactions with Sukuroku in the bath. Like, because there's a, obviously a scene, like, you know, with them as kids where it's clear Sukuroku in charge of the conversations dictating right. his flow. But Kikiso's like the one now actively like mm-hmm. controlling and playing with him and all that. Yes, way. yes. So it's clear that he has changed for the better, but like things like that run deep. They run deeper than I think people realize. And it's not something you just shake off or even over time. So I think that that's still coloring his perspective somewhat. The Rakugo gives him certainty. It is like I said before, like in a previous podcast, about how he can get along so well with Sukuroku, but still be like not clear on how to deal with people. Because you gain sort of routine of understanding with a particular person, but then you can be very anxious with people you have no idea like how they click and how they work. And with Rakugo, like it's a formula. I go up, I read, I perform. That's that. Right. But with people. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen next, to be honest. Right. Like, So I think for him, like, it's a case of security and comfort. Like, he is genuinely enjoying Rakugo. That has been the, the deal, the, sorry, game changer for him. Because otherwise, I think that given time, he probably would have stuck with Miyokichi. But since he's found a certainty in that that he's not had throughout the rest of his life, and it's a certainty that gives him joy, well, why would he give that up? Yeah. As opposed to a certain amount of uncertainty with Miyokichi that does still give him joy, but Right, there's like a know. like a fork in the road. Yeah, I mean and I I guess that makes sense. I mean, you know, like it, it we're kind of painting it as a as a character flaw of, of insecurity in a way, but like yeah, it's a <sighs> I could I could say all that I've said about character flaws and what is, but I think that in his shoes I probably would have made the exact same decision. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean I it's a tough one. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I can understand, like, this is a good perspective helping me try to understand where he was coming from. Um, and I mean, I knew, I mean, you, you see where he's coming, you see how devoted he is to it and everything like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just not the, it's not the same as a, as a person. Um, and I guess I'm just wired differently. And I mean, this is me, right? Who I've, we've had a, a, a numerable conversations off podcasts where I talk about like, I, I believe that each human being should be the source of their own happiness. I believe that like, you know, in not being codependent to be healthy. Um, and that, you know, even in a long, happy marriage, like I have, like, that's, I think still the case that like, both I am the source of my own happiness and the same is true for my wife, you know, even though we're building a life together. Um, and I think you can, you can have that. Um, but boy, it just seems like such a lonely, hollow kind of security that you would have. And, uh, and maybe this is me, like, maybe it's easy for me to talk about taking that risk, um, yeah. or whatever, but, um, good, good grief, man. <laughs> like, uh, that's just um well, maybe that's a puzzle. He, he so recognizes that as the old man we see at the very beginning of the show, because he now seems amenable to having an apprentice. Because he hasn't had any before. Right. Yeah. I wonder if this is gonna be sort of over the long term him kind of 
sort of coming around on the fact that like maybe like maybe Sukuroku was right. And it's got to burn because Sukuroku has always been always been like ahead of him. You know, you have that scene at the end on of, of nine where he says, Kiku says, like, I've always been aspirationally clinging to his back and now I just want to kick it. You know, I, I'm, I'm upset because um, like for the very first time, it seems like he's gotten ahead of him. He surpassed him. He's he's moving on. He knows he's going to inherit the name. But and, and on top of that, like even though he is not obviously anywhere near as like socially uh, capable as Sukuroku, and probably never will be, like it's not a race in that thing. As long as you are capable of living, like you know, comfortably in the human world, you're called that. If you you know, if you feel comfortable interacting with people, that's a victory in of itself. So he doesn't even need to be racing him in that point. Like that that's what I like what you said about like Sapaskin. It's not just about the Rakugo skill, it's about who he is as a character and what that amount of confidence brings him. But you can see how despondent he is whenever the moment it feels like Kiku has a leg up and he's ahead in the race. Sukiroku's like, eh. I don't I don't I, I'm not running the race anymore. I haven't really thought about Rakugo. In a while, I'm thinking about moving to the country and raising a kid. You can see how that will be incredibly maddening to Kiku. Like, what? All this time, Yakumo matters so fucking much to you whenever you're doing really well and you're getting to go on trips with Master and you're getting to go to the fucking China during the war and everything. But as soon as I take over, oh, who cares about Yakumo? I just want to raise my son in the country. Fuck you. <laughs> like, I could certainly see how he'd be so upset about that. Um, yeah. Because, like, it's, it, and, and it's, you know, it is. Like what? What is inheriting the title of Yakumo if you're not earning it in competition with your rival for him? Tricks, if he's just given it, like it does. It, like what meaning is there in that? Uh, in that? And I mean, maybe maybe he's deceiving himself. Maybe I'm wrong too. Like maybe he's not choosing an art Rakugo over a person Miyokichi. Maybe he's choosing one person over another. Maybe he's choosing uh, Sukaroku and sort of and, and how much Rakugo and Sukaroku in his life and his mind up to that point are like basically the same thing. <laughs> well, well, you said we said before, like about how they are essentially going to be the like stewards of two different types of Rakugo going forward. Mm-hmm. Sukaroku being the evolving kind that fits the times and Kikuyu is like the more traditional one. Like if if he, you know. He if he doesn't fulfill his own function of doing like that stewardship of traditional Rakugo, it could potentially die out. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it, and that's of course only in opposition to what Sukuroku do. If Sukuroku is like all into the traditional stuff, as inexplicable as that might be to us to conceive, then well, Kikisa wouldn't need to be doing what he's doing, does it? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Right. I have no more talking points. Do you have anything else you want to add, Doc? The show is great. <laughs> it's so, so good. This is one of those rare shows that I feel like... When I say this, this does not automatically make them better than other anime. But what I want to point out is, again, uh, although maybe the, it would still lose something, like this is a show that you could easily turn into live action if you wanted. Now, that's not a value statement that live action makes it better. 
uh, I'm thinking in the vein of 91 Days, which was just a gritty crime drama. It was great. Um, but there is a time and a place, like, you know, for a more sober look at, like, you know, history, changing times, changing attitudes, the way that people and societies morph over time, sometimes in response to each other, how they can influence each other, rather than just being very cartoony, mm-hmm. as sometimes anime can be. Uh, I think, though, that nonetheless, this anime, like, does a great amount of stuff. Like, I mean, also, like, when Sukuroku, like, sees... Sorry, when Kiku sees Sukuroku walking away, and then we get that thing, like, where he's falling into black. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that itself is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, when I make that assessment that you could turn this into live action, I think that what I'm trying to say by that is just that it has such a clarity of intent... Mm. The, the story shine the story and the, and the way it's presented shine through regardless of how you present it. That doesn't mean that if you present it differently, it'd be immediately be as good. It could be worse. It could be better. But to me, it feels like it has a clarity to it, which is great. It's just a, a wonderfully compelling character drama. It has legitimate things to say about how tradition shouldn't necessarily, or rather shouldn't rather at all, come at the cost of one's soul, even if you want to call it that. Uh, how it tr- can also give people a foundation to grow from. But, you know, there are tensions to be found between a person and the art they perform. I am super, super impressed by this. It has lived up to its reputation and then some thus mm. far. Uh, I still feel a bit iffy on Miyokichi's role in this, but I have to concede, as whereas I wouldn't in other shows like BNA, that if they were to give her time, it would come at the cost of something else that is necessary for the show to function or would otherwise be damaged if it by its omission. And that is one of those unfortunate things where that's not a fault of the show, it is a fault of the format. Hmm. And, well, maybe television needs to do a bit of evolving in the same way that hmm. Rakugo did, I don't know. But again, I do also appreciate how this show, like, implicitly by its existence, shows that Rakugo can evolve, can reach a wider audience, mm-hmm. and can change for the better, at least in terms of we'll present it in such a way that isn't actually regular people, even human like human beings present doing the Rakugo. But we'll still show you why the art form is worth preserving, but also why it needs to change. Alright, shall we rate the episode stuff? Let's do it. Okay, uh, I'm going to go first, this one. For everything I've said, uh, and also just being like genuinely solid entertainment i will give uh these episodes episodes seven eight and nine i will give them 4.75 recitals of someone's story who you absolutely hate (laughs) doing it as a dick move to piss them off (laughs) um well i um i am going to Hmm. I'm going to give this show five bad breakups out of five. Because. Ooh, I'm, nice, nice. I, I mean, nice about the number, not nice about the breakups. Right. Yeah, I Yeah. I. I think this this, this set of episodes just does everything it wants to do. It, it does it right. It does it really well. Um, It is incredibly focused, but also, like, it's got some a lot of different things going on, you know, the way it's directed and what it wants to say. It's like really well done and it's multi-layered and kind of dense. Like there's some scenes we didn't talk about, some conversations we didn't talk about, like between 
Sukeroku and Miyokichi like at these uh religious festivals and like I don't know man there's just so much cool stuff uh that we could talk about forever but uh but yeah I'm gonna go five for five on this set uh it's it uh, it's masterpiece material man damn right it is Right then, uh, we will leave it there, ladies, gentlemen, MBs. Uh, I'll just quickly throw out again that if you've enjoyed this particular podcast and you want to be catching it as it goes live and maybe even interact with us while we're doing it, getting questions to us, talking to us in chat, um, because this is private normally. Uh, if you're not already subscribed to our Patreon, please do check that out at patreon.com forward slash warriordeshow. Get yourself on the $5 tier. It gives you everything. Tons of benefits, including Discord access, where we run like group watches and other things, party games, you name it. Plenty of good stuff to be found there. Uh, Doc, where can people find you on the you know desolate digital wasteland that is the internet? Uh, you can find me at the Subtle Doctor on Twitter, um, talking about uh, all kinds of nerderies. Um, there's yep. a lot of Japanese wrestling tournaments that are about to start and have just started. Um, wouldn't be surprised if I was tweeting about that in the next few days. Bit of chainsaw, man. Hmm? Be, on the, be on the chainsaw man oh that's right that t- i mean look yeah still uh i wish i wish i wasn't done with chainsaw man like i'm call caught up so i'm having to wait for the chapters to come out uh i devoured it and uh it's broke me like in a lot of ways like it made me slow down reading a lot of other manga i was reading because i just had to like wow. be sad <laughs> about yeah. chainsaw man it's just like damn oh, no. fucking shit <laughs> like this is rough man but uh, uh the spy family still reading uh kaiju number eight when it comes out and uh, i am trying to power through the rest since the promise neverland ended i'm trying to read all of that Ooh, um nice nice uh before the season two i, I think i've gotten to the I, I feel like i'm past the point where if there is a season two and they pace it like they did season one I've gotten past what I think the ending point will be, but who knows? I mean, they may try to stuff the whole rest of the thing into season two. Don't know. But I feel like I've gotten through another season's worth of material and a lot to say about that. I think it continues to be pretty good. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I'm just reading a lot of Shonen Jump stuff. It's really good. So if you want to talk about Shonen Jump or wrestling or Ultraman, or Rakugo, uh, at me, if you please. Definitely. Give this man a follow. Give him all your follows. For me, uh, you can find me at Shaden1010 on Twitter. I am usually angry. <laughs> That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. I'm usually furious about something or another. There you go. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I'll also just mention as well that if you have been watching this on Freeswear and you don't want to support us financially, that's fine. Time's tough. String, purse strings are tight uh, I would only ask therefore that you just you know give us a like follow share subscribe smash all the social media buttons you've, you've done this tango before why am I telling you again you know what you know what to do with this you know you push the buttons you get to the follows it's done great whoop de do. Uh, but anyway on that note uh, this is currently Friday of course uh, so we'll leave it there I hope you all have a wonderful weekend wherever you are in the world I hope you stay safe stay healthy that's for you and your loved ones your friends family colleagues etc People you generally like. If you don't like them, fuck them. I told you I was angry.
So there you go. Uh, but on that rosy note, uh, yeah, definitely take care, everyone. It's been a pleasure having you here in the audience, as always, be it if you're watching live or if you're watching it on demand later. Uh, we will see you soon. Uh, in fact, next time we'll be talking about Arakosh Shinjo, we'll be concluding season one, so don't miss that. Until next time, though, uh, that's been Doc from, uh, you know, Mr. Tennessee himself. I've been Shaden. Embrace you, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night.